0: Has anybody ever wanted to jump into a time machine and be able to go back and just kind of redo something? Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. And I love specifically that you talked about how uh, Nick is not above anybody else this morning because it's so true. Because the reason I want to jump into a time machine this week and kind of rehash things, is I just kind of want to rehash and start over from last week, if that's cool with you all. Um, it's kind of one of those things letting you behind the scenes a little bit. Like I feel like for several weeks, it started probably a month and a half ago, I started working on what are we going to talk about this year? What is it that we want to work through, and where is it we want to go, and how do we want to proceed? And And I've always felt like God... Uh, Not always, but learned how to kind of listen to God speak and and try to understand where it is we need to go and and let him kind of give me this general direction, right? And it works better for me and I I feel this uh, better sense of connection when everything kind of ties back into that central piece that we're working towards. And so a few weeks, several weeks ago, I felt like that passage that we talked about in Galatians is something God put on my heart I felt like it was a direction with this word reveal. He was taking us, and then I fell into a trap. And that trap was this moment where you take what God has given you, and you say, okay, what I'm supposed to do is I'm supposed to offer up a sermon that fits this criteria And therefore, I start trying to come up with a little intro that will hook everybody in and tie us into some sort of line of thought. And then I try to make sure that we work through this passage of Scripture and we kind of give it its course and let it speak to us. And then I try to make it all make sense at the end. And in trying to put what God laid on my heart into this formula, I was struggling all week leading up into last Sunday. And it just wasn't coming together. All the way up through Sunday morning, it just wasn't coming together. Like, I knew what I was trying to say, I just didn't feel like it flowed, I didn't feel like it was... Now, in fairness, I've had moments like that in the past, and I've walked in, I've trusted it into God's hands, because I knew that this word, I knew that this passage, I knew that what he was trying to speak was kind of this general direction we needed to go... But in an effort to try to make it fit into a sermon, I was trying to package it in this box, and some of you probably tried to wrap some presents here last month, where like, it just doesn't fit in this box, i got to figure out a different way to wrap this package, and the problem was I've had moments like that in the past where I just didn't feel comfortable. But God takes over, and I walked out of some of those sermons where people were like really responding well, and, and I feel like maybe made the most impact because I wasn't in the way. God was doing his thing, and it wasn't all about me. The problem was last week didn't feel like one of those weeks because I walked off and I asked my usual go to person, Tessa. I'm like, So did it make sense? Did I like speak rationally? Did it every, and she's like, Well, it didn't kind of tie together here. This didn't make sense to me. I'm like, Oh, great. If she didn't understand me, no one else did either. And, because she's the only one who has a shot, I think, most of the time. And that's just because she spent a lot of time with me. And I, I feel like in the midst of all that, I, I tried to cram this thing. And so i, I kind of am in this point this week where I feel like we just need to hit the reset button for a minute. Because I feel like it's important for you not to hear the sermon that I've prepared, but for you to hear my heart. Because I feel like that's what this job is about anyway. It's not about getting up here and offering the best presentation week in and week out. It's about being vulnerable and speaking out of your heart for where God is speaking into you and, and to allow you to see how God is changing and moving in me. And that's really what this role should be about. And, and I fell into that trap and, and tried to package the presentation. And, and I'm sorry for that because, uh, I'm like I said earlier on my first Sunday's here, I'm going to make mistakes, and, and I, I feel like I made one last week. But in an effort to do that, I first want to say sorry that I fell into the trap, and sorry that I tried to cram this sermon into something it wasn't, and try to make it this cute little two-piece series. And instead, I want to say, is it okay if we just hit the reset button and go back for a minute? We good? Everybody good with that? Awesome. Well, the other thing that does seem uh, formula, uh, kind of like the normal formula that I want to do that started to become part of the formula for me specifically Because I get a little distracted, and it's easier once we get this opening bit out of the way, this opening little piece where I can just kind of ramble for a second. As we dive into the serious portion of this, I just feel like it's important to focus my mind in on God and the one who's got me here in the first place. And so if you would, just bow your head with a word of prayer for or with me. Father, I love you, and this morning I'm humbled at the opportunity to be here in this room with these people. And I'm humbled at the opportunity to be able to call on your name. I'm humbled at the opportunity to speak and to know that I'm in the presence of an almighty God who created all things. And Father, I thank you for your son that makes it possible for me to call on your name and to be in your presence and to know that I can, through your spirit, hear your voice and and hear your guidance and leading in my life. And Father, I pray that every day I would get better at that and fall into fewer traps. But this morning, I just pray that the words you've laid on my heart will be words that we can wrestle with together and can be more of a call for this year that you're placing on our hearts and not Nick trying to cram something into some box and to make it all work. And so, Father, I pray this morning that you would speak to us, that you would speak to me, that you would speak through me, and that, Father, at the end of this day, we would hear your heart for us as a church heading into this year. I love you, and it's in the wonderful name of Jesus, I pray these things. Amen. So, I, I, I like Justin said, it, it's interesting, and I love how everything just comes together sometimes. But I've spent a lot of time in churches. I grew up in the church. From the earliest memories of my life, I was in the church. And I have been to a large number of them. There was a period of time where we were going to this small little country church that's actually sadly not even open anymore. Um, but we, we kind of were transitioning during a period of time of my parents' divorce, and we tried out at a lot of different places and landed at this church. And when I was in college, I volunteered and worked at several other churches, and I, I did some internships and, or more practicums is what we called them at other churches. And I've seen a lot of places, I've been a lot of places, I've engaged with a lot of churches through different activities and camps and spend a lot of time talking to other ministry leaders and people who work in churches, and you feel like you learn a lot. And over the course of time, you spend a lot of time not only hearing stories of other churches, but you also go and you learn at these conferences and you hear what other churches are doing. You hear how they're handling things and dealing with things. And there's this ultimate big question that I feel like a lot of pastors and staff and church leaders are trying to figure out is how do we do what God has called us to do practically in the structure that we've created? How do we take this word, God's word, and we know that the truth in it doesn't change, that the heart and the truth of this message doesn't change, but, but whenever Jesus was roaming the earth, Twitter didn't exist, and when Jesus was walking and, and talking to his disciples, cars and transportation, and so many of the weird different things of our culture in our day were different the way in which information spread, the way and the fast pace that everything moved. There were things that were just different. And so if we were to take the structure that they had then and try to put it perfectly piece by piece in place here, it may not fit right. You know what I'm saying? When we talk about how the body functioned week in and week out, because the culture was just so different. But one thing is true. The heart of what they were trying to accomplish was still the heart of what they were trying to accomplish. It was still about finishing Jesus' work, trying to build that kingdom that he had come to establish, trying to make disciples of all people. They were so focused on reaching everyone with the word of God and making disciples who grew in their faith, making sure that everyone was always growing and staying rooted in their faith, not being led astray by other messages, but also making sure that each and every one were what Jesus called or referred to as producing fruit, staying rooted in such a way that we produce fruit, because Jesus said time and time again, if that tree's not producing fruit, it might as well be cut down and thrown into the fire. And so there's this picture, this imagery of what we're supposed to be accomplishing, but the truth is, is every church on every corner around town, and every church on every block all around the country is wrestling with this same question. Now, what do we do? practically, like what do we do every week? What's the, the weekly schedule look like? What do our activities and our programs and our things that we do look like that help us accomplish that goal? Like what's the, what's the how-to look like? And we kind of talked about different things since I've been here with the building blocks and other stuff, but I'm asking kind of that deeper question, what is it we do that helps us as a church fulfill that mission and actually produce fruit? And part of the reason this question is important to understand. Is kind of takes me back to why I'm here. Um, June of 2017, rough summer. I was in Tennessee. A lot of events that took place in my life, not personally, but just in work and, and the church I was at, and there were things that were making it really difficult summer for me um, on a lot of levels, physically, emotionally, spiritually. There were a lot of things that were just beaten down on me that summer, and that's when God started to Put this little thought in the back of my mind that maybe I'm not supposed to be here anymore. Maybe something's changing. Maybe I need to be paying attention to what's going on because I feel unsettled. I feel like everything's shifting. Throughout the course of the next six months I prayed and I kept hearing the same message, be still and listen. That's a really frustrating message to hear. Be still and listen. Oh my like, God, I'm listening really, really hard. I'm not hearing you say anything, but be still and listen. Until I was still and calmed down and listened. And over the course of that time, I just kind of felt like God was using different circumstances. He was healing my heart from some of the anger and the bitterness and the frustration I was facing. He was healing my heart to, to see things more clearly and differently. And he was growing me and building me up and helping me see myself in a light I was never able to see myself in before. This youth pastor who never thought that he wanted to be anything but a youth pastor was starting to see that God had put a desire in his heart for more than that. Not as if this position is somehow better than youth ministry. I would never say that, because youth ministry is wonderful, wonderful work. But that God's heart that he was developing in me was about the overall health of his church and not just the well-being of students. And he started to put into me this desire to want to see the church grow and to see it get back to the mission of making disciples, because the frustrating part of where I was is we were doing a lot of things. We were we had a lot of programs, we had a lot of meetings, we had a lot of small groups, we had a lot of this, we had a lot of that, we had a lot of everything, and I just didn't feel like we were ultimately accomplishing the goal. And so the course of that year, I, I finally felt like towards the end of 2017, the very end, that God was saying, hey, you, this is what I have for you. I want you to, I want you to be looking towards this move to, to take a lead pastor role. And so Tess and I had talked about it, we prayed about it, we felt like this was an opportunity for us to come back home to be back in Indiana near family again. And, and but at the same time, we kind of liked kind of more of the city uh, vibe being close, where there are things to do. We loved Knoxville. We kind of were, we like the country, and we grew up in the country, and there's still something nice about the quiet outside area. I still love being on the farm and that kind of stuff. But at the same time, love having access to something close by. So we talked about Indy, Bloomington, different things like that. And so all of a sudden, after we've had these conversations, I see two job postings come up on websites I was looking at, one for Southside Christian Church in Bloomington and one for Northside Christian Church in Bloomington. And I kind of felt like, God, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to do this. Is this what you want me to do? And I said, it can't hurt. Let's test the water, all right? And so I put my resume in, both places. It was interesting. Over the course of time, there was communication over back and forth, but I'll be perfectly honest, and I'm not trying to be mean to anybody when I say this, Um, first impressions of a job posting and an initial conversation had me feeling like Northside Christian Church was not the place for me. And the reason for that was this. The job posting kind of had this written in kind of, this is who we are, this is how we operate, this is how we've done things, this is how we do things, and we're looking for someone who fits this box. And I immediately went, well, that's probably not a good idea for me or them. Um, but we'll see. God's, God's in control. But I don't think that's going to work out. But maybe this Southside thing, we were having some conversations. It was going okay. Having a few talks. And, and uh, what's funny is over the course of time, things started to shift. And things got different. And I started to talk to Ernie and, uh, and then had a chance because I came up to visit Southside. And that quickly became apparent that's not where God was taking us. But at that weekend, I had a chance to sit down with Matt, and Matt, and we had a great conversation. And I'll be honest, the thing that ultimately made me go, oh, wait, maybe this isn't what I thought it was, was because I was talking to leaders who I had written questions to. They had asked me, do you have any questions? So I was like, yeah, I got lots of questions. I'll ask them. (laughs) And I wrote down this big, long list of questions, and these guys came back to me with this answer. I'll be honest, you asked a lot of good questions. and We sadly don't know the answers to all of them. And you would think that would be a deterrent, right? But to a guy like me, that is the perfect place to be, and it is exactly where I wanted to be. In a place where people don't have all the answers to how we're supposed to do stuff. Don't have all the answers to how it's supposed to be done. This is the right model. This is the right method. This is the right order of service. This is the right structure of how we do weekly activities and, and yearly events and programs and all this stuff. When we talk about vision, we talk about direction, we talk about who God wants us to be. The question is we're wrestling with a lot of the things. This was the conversation I kept having with the leadership. We're wrestling with a lot of these same questions you're asking and we just aren't sure we know the answer yet. And for me the opportunity to come in and to seek God's face in answering those questions, not to be built on this or this or this or this or this example, was the perfect place to be. It was just like where Paul was on the road to Damascus. Paul had a lot of, a lot of built up credit where he was he was a Pharisee raising rising through the ranks at tremendous speed and he was doing incredible things in the Jewish culture and tradition he was persecuting this uprising that was causing people to turn away from the law and God and and do things that were blasphemous and against the law in his mind and he was standing zealous on what he thought was right and holding tightly to try to fix what was broken And then Jesus knocks him off his horse and blinds him and says, No, we've got a new why are you persecuting me? This isn't okay. We're gonna go do a new thing. And the beautiful moment here is Paul is faced with this this opportunity to do one of two things. He could quickly get up and say, Okay, Jesus, I'm sorry. I recognize my faults. And I recognize that you're doing something new. You're here to fulfill the law, to, to not abolish it, but to fulfill it. And he could have gone out and done exactly the same thing as those, Judy, or those Jewish sympathizers were doing in the church of Galatia, saying, oh, yeah, you can follow Jesus, but you still have to be circumcised. You can follow Jesus, but you still have to follow these festivals and laws. You can follow Jesus, but you still have to maintain the law and the structure of the traditions of what we've always done. Because that's still who we were and still what we hold dear to. And this Jesus thing is fine. He's loving. He's grace. He's all these things. But Paul recognized that he needed to take some time to sort things out. He could have run off to Jerusalem and met with Peter and James and John and all these guys and said, What is is it that Jesus taught you? How is it you're starting churches? What is it you're doing? He could go to the experts who are already doing it and get all the answers. But Paul takes this beautiful step of sitting still for three years and basking in the presence of Jesus and allowing Jesus to reveal himself to Paul. To not hold on to everything he thought he knew and not to rush forward with all the new fancy things that were happening everywhere else, but to stay rooted and founded in who Jesus was and to allow him to reveal himself so that when the time comes and the church of Galatia is faced with these people who want to push, and promote circumcision, Paul can say, you know, guys, I get it. Circumcision was an important thing to me, too. But the problem is, is when we say you have to be this, and you have to be that, and you have to fit in this box, it's exactly what Justin was talking about. It's all religious do. Do this, and don't do this, and that's what makes you a good follower. And he says that distorts the gospel. The gospel is Jesus died to eradicate your sins, and now you can be in his presence and be transformed. And to be in a relationship that will transform you. And if you put all this structure of do and don't, it can easily become about the do's and don'ts. And I'm good because I do, and I'm good because I don't. The religious structure and the tradition of what they'd always known. And he understands this beautifully because he spent time in Jesus' presence seeking his face, allowing him to reveal himself to Paul to be made known to Paul, so that Paul knew his heart intimately, so that when even Peter changes his tone, like we read about last week in Galatians chapter 1, when Peter changes his tone and says, hey, I was eating with the Gentiles, but the Jews showed up, so now I'm going to scoot over here and not hang out with them because I don't want them to think less of me. And Paul sees him do that. He calls him out in front of everybody and says, that's not okay. You can't act like that. You have to act like a follower of Christ who is consistent and loves them all times, no matter how you feel like other people are going to perceive you. He understands the heart of Jesus because he has spent time in his presence and allowed Jesus to reveal himself. And therefore, Paul takes zealous stands on what it means to follow Jesus. I love that moment we talked about last week where he calls out Peter. And all those other moments in Scripture where he calls out the church of Galatia, he calls out the, the incestuous relationships in 1 Corinthians. Talk about dirty laundry that he's airing out in front of the entire church. And I joked last week about the fact that that would never fly today, because here's why. If I say something like that today, people can get upset and they can go down the church to the street. The church down the street that has no idea who I am, the church down the street who can immediately sympathize and say, oh, that was terrible. I can't believe they did that to you. You can come worship here. We'll love you. The church down the street who doesn't ever ask questions about why are you here? What did you get upset about there? Back then, Paul knew the church down the street. He was going to send them the same letter after you got done reading it. He had a hand and a relationship with so many of the different networks, and their goal ultimately was to grow people up and not let them sit and fuss about how they got their feelings hurt. Because he knew the most important thing was to take a stand on what Christ wanted and not what, on what made people happy. And ultimately, at the end of the day, he knew that because he spent three years seeking God's face before he went off to Jerusalem to talk to other people. Because he spent time seeking God's face and asking Christ to reveal himself to him. And so, back to where we were. The reason it's appealing to me to be at Northside Christian Church, is, and the more I've spent time here, the more I've seen it, the more I've heard it, is we have a lot of good people here. We do have a lot of people who would hug just in the moment he came through the door and And Keith, who hugged me the first time I ever met him, and like, hey, I don't know you, but let's give a big hug. I love this because it makes you feel warm. It makes you feel welcome. It might freak some people out, but that's okay because they'll feel loved. And we have an amazing group of folks here who want to love each other. But here's the thing. We can sit here all day loving on each other. And not accomplish the mission. We can sit here all day and talk and study scripture. I love it. I just saw a post last night. Beth Moore came out with some tweets this week saying, hey, you know there's a really big difference between studying God's word and being in God's presence, right? Like, just because you study God's word doesn't mean you're spending time in the presence of Jesus. Because we can sit and study all day and not let it affect our hearts and not let it transform us and still not be accomplishing what the words are telling us to do. And the only way I feel like, and the way I feel like God has put on my heart for us to go this year, to head down this road this year, is to say, we have to stop trying to implement this structure, or implement this structure, and implement this program, and this idea, and this thing. I spent a lot of time in churches and places where people were always trying to come up with the next big idea. They saw that some other church somewhere had prayed and spent time trying to figure out what to do, and all of a sudden they implemented this thing that worked for their church, and it took off, and it spread the gospel, and they were seeing amazing results. And so all the other churches say, oh, wow, we need to be doing that. That's exactly what we need to be doing, because look what happened when they did it. The problem is they missed what really happened that started that. It wasn't the program or the structure they implemented. It was the time that that staff and those leaders spent praying and seeking God's face before to say, what is it you want us to do here that is going to help your people grow in this place, in this culture, in this atmosphere with the people we have and what we have to work with? How do we take the resources we have and use them so that they further the kingdom? And we cannot know that based off our own understanding. The only passage of Scripture I put in there, and I get it, I'm not reading a lot out of the Bible this week because I kind of read it last week, and I just needed to share from my heart this morning what I, what I was trying to say that I said so ineffectively, is that passage in Proverbs, lean not on your own understanding. Because our understanding is broken. Our ideas and our ways have always gotten us into trouble. They've never worked out in the past, and they're never going to work out in the future. They might produce good results where lots of people come in, because there are always leaders who can stand up and be charismatic and pull a lot of people in, and there's a lot of people who get up up here and stand and say things more eloquently than me and make people happy and get a lot of people in the door, because those leaders exist. That does not mean we are accomplishing the mission of your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Those are the things we have to be concerned about. And there's a lot of stuff we can do and still miss the point. And so that's why I feel like where we stand, we've come to a place where, okay, I've been here six months. Roughly, not quite, but close. And in the course of that time, I've gotten a chance to know some of you and and some of you better than others and and time to to visit and get to know kind of the culture and some of the backstories and heard a lot of the feedback and why people are here and why other people aren't here and, and just trying to get a feel for who we actually are and what we actually are. And here's the thing. I am not sitting here with a vast number of answers. In fact, I probably thought I had more answers of who we should be and where we should be going and what we should be doing when I first got here than I do now. I've read some other things that just messed me all up, you know. You read something, then God goes, oh, you thought you were so smart. Silly boy. But at the same time, the one thing that I know is absolutely true is that in 2019, we need to care very little about all the plans that we have and care very, 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 very much about seeking his face and allowing him to reveal himself to us. And as a leadership, I know that our conversations, that's what we're trying to do. And it may feel like, oh, are we going to do this? Are we going to do that? I- I'm still trying to figure that out because the, here's the thing. It may not be bad, but it may not be beneficial either. And so we can say, oh, yeah, we're going to start this. We're going to do that. We're going to do this. But honestly, I-, I think the most important thing for us that we could possibly doing right now is just Pray. Pray, 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 pray. And not the kind of prayer where we just talk to God all day and just tell him lots of things that we have on our mind. But the kind of prayer where we sit in quiet and stillness and say, God, I need to hear your voice. I need to see your face. I need to know your heart on this. Because when it comes to discipleship, I have a lot of good ideas of how it's supposed to work. But I want you to reveal your heart and your way to me. God, I have a lot of ideas about what services should look like, but I want you to reveal your heart and your way to me so that my heart is right in how I worship you and how I serve you and how I walk in on a Sunday morning with the right kind of heart and attitude. I want us to be in an attitude of seeking God, and so everything that we do from here on out the rest of this year, I'm trying to build around this concept of how do we kind of put our own understanding and our own tradition and all the things we think we bring into it aside. And how do we be very, very careful and cautious about whoever else we're looking at to get models and ideas from? And how do we live in this place of stillness and make room for God to speak? There comes a point where sitting still too long is detrimental. When Jesus went up on the Mount of Transfiguration with his disciples, with the three that he took up there, they wanted to put tents up. They wanted to stay. They said, man, you know what? This being in God's presence and being in Elijah's presence and Jesus being transfigured into this heavenly presence, man, this is amazing. We could just stay here forever. And it's true. When we are seeking and basking in God's presence, it is really tempting to just set up tent and set up shop and stay right there on the mountain feeling really, really good about God's presence. The goal is always to seek his face So he can reveal himself to us so that we can be transformed to be his people to go and do what he's called us to do. Not to sit and just hear and learn and grow and kind of get lazy in the process. But to be transformed in such a way that it calls us to action and movement. And so... Through the course of time, we're going we're to talk more about on the 20th about some of the things we want to do that opens up conversation. Some of the things we want to do to make this not just about what the leadership is trying to pray through and wrestle with, but allows people to, to speak into this conversation and to speak into us and to share in relationship, not just as a leadership and as the people, and we'll go wherever you say, but how do we work through this together? How do we pray through this together? How do we move forward together? Because God is calling Northside Christian Church to engage in the mission but we need to be still and hear where it is and hear how it is he wants to work through us this year. And so I want us to constantly be seeking, what's the next step, Jesus? What is the next step you want us to take? And we want to take them and we want to be active in taking them, but I want to make sure that I'm moving forward, not off my own understanding, but off of who you've called me to be. And that's why I'm here. Because I feel like we have a leadership and we have a people and we have the heart of a people who don't know all the answers but want to know them. A heart of people who want to seek after him with all their heart and chase after his ways and not their own ways. And so for 2019, I feel like what God was putting on my heart and what he wanted me to share with you is we need to find a way to seek him and allow him to reveal himself to us. So that we can truly not just be practicing the do's and don'ts list. So that we can be practicing the regular routine of what it means to, to show up and be a church. But so that we can truly be transformed to become his body. To become His like his likeness. To be made in his image and to reflect that image. And to live out a life that accomplishes what he called us to do. And that is my heart's desire for this year. So the worship team is going to come back up and we're going to sing. And if you need to come and pray and say, you know, Jesus is something I've talked about. Jesus is something that people have told me about, but I've never taken it seriously. And you want to talk and wrestle through what it really means for him to offer you forgiveness and grace and salvation. I would love to talk and pray with you about that. If you're going through something heavy and you just need prayer and you just need to be laying at the feet of the Father and saying, God, I need to see your face in this, I'm struggling, I'm I'm going through this battle, and I need you to reveal yourself to me, then come pray. We'd love to pray with you. But if you just need to sit there and say, God, I, if I'm honest, don't know that I'm spending any kind of good quality time studying your word or praying and being in your presence or wrestling in such a way where you're transforming my heart and my life and I need to. Maybe it's just a matter of sitting where you are this morning and praying through things and saying, God, I just need to seek your face, and I ask that you reveal yourself to me. Make yourself known to me so that I can become more and more like you. If you would, stand with me. Let's pray and go before him in worship. Father, I love you. And Father, I thank you for bringing me to this place with these people that I love so dearly that have been such a blessing to me and my family. I know that, Father, none of us has the desire to be um, doing things that are against you and your word, and I don't get the sense that we are. But, Father, at the same time, I want us to get serious about the ways that we pursue you, the ways that we chase after you. I want us to all run towards you together as quickly as we can not for the sake of becoming something or another thing. Father, we have no plans that we're laying at your feet, saying, Father, make us this. We are simply bowing at your feet, Father, saying, who do you want to make us? We're ready to go. And so, Father, I pray that you would give us the humble spirit to hear you, to seek after you, and ask that you would reveal yourself to us so that we can become exactly who you want to make us to be. We love you. It's in the wonderful name of Jesus we pray.